Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every episode we sit down with one of our favorite comedians to talk about a topic they could not love more and then exclusively discuss the worst parts of it. I am here, as always, with my partner, Wen Powers, who had his birthday yesterday. Wen, how are you doing? Happy birthday. Uh, I'm one year closer to death and I couldn't be happier about it. There we go. Perfect. Just what we're looking for. So you said you had a little, you know, I mean, we're quarantined, birthday quarantines, getting creative. But you're, you, I mean, you, you have a wife. You get to live with her. So yeah, no, she, <laughs> party she is went, right there. She went like completely above and beyond. She woke me up and was like, hey, come check this out. And she presented me with a video of all of my friends and family wishing me happy birthday. And like it was like a 12-minute video <laughs> like set to music and everything. Like she had production value involved. And it was the nicest thing anyone has ever ever done for me and also throwing the gauntlet on all birthdays until we die (laughs) (laughs) that is incredibly sweet and also i cannot imagine having 12 minutes of friends uh that is a lot of happy birthdays that is so nice well it kept kind of going back to like my sisters who would like mess up and it was four guys over and over again (laughs) there's a a few runners in there would like go back to somebody who'd be like wait i thought of something else to say (laughs) And she had the editing skills necessary to put that together. That is fantastic. Well, happy birthday. I'm glad we're recording now. Uh, we are, you know, getting closer to October, which is going to start uh, just a slew of Halloween episodes, uh, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I'm so excited. And uh, we are here with our wonderful guest, a comedian who I've, I've had the pleasure of working with before on uh, Cabin Fever co- Comedy, and she has been funny every single time I've talked to her. Uh, Pallavi Gunnelin, thank you so much for being on. Hi, thank you for having me. And um, when I totally did that for my boyfriend one time too, I, I made a huge like scavenger hunt for him all day with all my friends, and then I it ended with like a video of his like parents and his grandparents, and I looked at him and he never fucking cried, and I'm really upset about it. <laughs> oh, I, I was like, the one thing I know this is the only thing that I could ever get him to cry, and he was just like, what? Wow, wow. I'll be honest. I full on like, like turned away because she was filming my reaction to like show like my parents and everything. And the second my like my grandparents came on screen. I was just a mess. It was that's bad. I literally was like staring at him when his grandparents who don't speak English were just like, we're <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> and he didn't do shit. And I was like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> oh, no. And it didn't. But it's okay. But I'm glad you cried. That's good, human. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, I mean, it's it's not that hard of a feat. Uh, just like play a somewhat Like feel the sad- dreams. Oh, yeah. oh, every single father time. and son things make me I have a great relationship <laughs> with my dad, but any father and son media makes me cry immediately. How does he feel about that? 
him. He's like, what did I do wrong? Why are you crying about this? Stop. I love you. We love each other. He's like, add a sizzler with you. He's like, we're a good parents. Cats in the Cradle comes on and I'm just sobbing. And he's like, I was around. <laughs> You're like bad at baseball. And he's like, I taught you better than this. I swear. Oh, I'm very bad at baseball. And he oh, taught no. me way better than this. Like, like uh, I was telling you before we started this chat, I majored in musical theater. Yep. And God bless the man. He was never ready for that life, but he adapted <laughs> to it as best he could. Couldn't you act like you were good at sports, son? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, happy birthday. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, and, and speaking of, of Wen's major here, uh, this is our first science history episode, which I'm so excited to have uh, Pallavi on for. Uh, because she has the science background in what biomedical engineering, right? Yeah. Yep. I quit my PhD in December right before quarantine because this is stable. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how, how did that happen? How did you go from biomedical engineering to stand up? I basically started working in labs in seventh grade because um, a club like this biotech center director came to our like math engineering science association club. And then I was like, I'm going to need her contact information for an internship. (laughs) I did did that. And I was very like, uh, I think until college when it kind of broke me because I went to a really hard college. I was very like motivated in science and engineering. And I still was after I did a master's and then I like um, got a job and worked in industry. And then I wanted to rebrand and do more computational stuff rather than working in like a wet lab. And so I uh, applied for PhD programs and I decided to go to uh, USC and then I started comedy like so I in 2016 is when I moved to L.A. and started my Ph.D. And I did my first open mic and that was in August. And I did my first open mic in January. I was one of those like New Year's comedians who was like, oh, I got to do this or whatever. They're really fucking annoying. It's on Um, the list. I got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. But the reason that I did that was because my boyfriend at the time um, was doing improv and it never occurred to me that you could just do comedy. Like I had done like sketches and dumb shit in college, but I never like realized that you could do it. And then once he started doing improv, I was like, oh, I want to do it. But then I saw like the timing and the schedule and the cost of improv is like a lot. Um, And then also like, I don't know, being dependent on other people. But for some reason, I was like, hey, I'm going to go. We we went to a sketch fest party because he got into SF sketch fest and I met all of these like incredible comedians because I was such a fucking comedy nerd. I was listening to all the podcasts and everything. And then I was like. I met, like, Thomas Middleditch, Ron Funches. I knew where these, like, what cities these guys came out of. I, like, knew everything about them. And I was like, ugh. And then I was like, I got to do it. And I had seen a friend do an open mic, too. And I think that encouraged me um, because I I was like, I could do that. Um, But (laughs) And then the next day, I I, so I talked to local stand-ups in SF. And then the next day, I went and I did my first open mic. And then I came back to... the VIP party and I got to talk to like John Hodgman about my first open mic ever and then I didn't have time and then like Paul of Tompkins was there and like the night before Todd Berry had roasted me and I was like this is gonna put me into stand up it was like a whole (laughs) thing Um, and then like so it took me like a few months and then I did another open mic in a few months and I did another open mic because I had work and like roommate issues and relationship issues and all this stuff and then I was like when I go to LA I'm gonna go hard and then I that's like when I did when I moved to LA and within like five days I was like hitting mics every night (laughs) and stuff (laughs) so that was dope yeah it was really um it was really cool one thing that I thought was really interesting was I always wanted to do like creative projects with my boyfriend I was always like let's make vines together (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I'm like not a normal girlfriend but like I was like I want to do like or like let's uh, even like the romantic stuff I was like let's write like uh letters that are stories or something you know because we were long distance for a while and he like it was so hard to get him to do anything with me and then with stand-up he was like this could be our thing I'm gonna come with you and I was like no (laughs) I was like no this is my thing thing. you're not coming and like you're just not and he was like what and I was like you're not I don't know what in me was like you can't come to this open mic (laughs) and I was like shut it down and I'm really glad I did that because it felt very like my thing (laughs) absolutely yeah no yeah definitely Definitely, like, just keep it yours and, like, in your in your own, like, world, in your own area. I, I get it. 
Yeah. And I think that, like, um, kind of was the beginning of my, like, liberation from being a clingy bitch. Like, and then just <laughs> <laughs> becoming independent. Like, comedy really helped me find my, my cunt voice, you know? It just... Oh, totally. <laughs> it was comedy uh, and him not fucking crying at that amazing yeah, video. son of a bitch. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I, um, I ended up quitting my PhD. It took me like a year and a half to come to terms with the fact that I just like was saying yes to every podcast and sketch and every open right. mic and like really not getting my work done. And I, it was like way too hard to wake up in the mornings after being out at st- for stand up at like 2am and having to like go to professors meetings and it was so, such a big part of my identity. It felt like the biggest breakup of my life. But then now I'm working on a ventilator project. So I'm like volunteering. So I'm just like sucked back into this shit. And my dad's like, oh, she, but you're not just doing stand up anymore. Like after coming out to him as a comedian, after going through that whole fucking process and, and like him and getting my parents to be supportive and everything, which they like they were at eventually. Now they're like, but she's engineering again. <laughs> we knew it would never leave her. Well, I was like, damn it, Dad. This, this was a fantastic project, though. This is Respira Works, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So uh, back in March of 2020, which was six years ago, um, we... <laughs> we <laughs> truly. Uh, truly six years ago. We, um, I-, I was invited to the Slack uh, group. Uh, Slack is the bane of everyone's existence right now. And yep. um, it was like 15,000 uh, volunteer engineers, scientists, et cetera, and they were trying to figure out something to do for the pandemic. And then there were all these offshoots of groups from it, uh, like people making ventilators, trying to distribute masks and PPE and all of this other stuff. And uh, I found a, a PPE group. And then I also found that I got recruited into this ventilator group. Um, and the ventilator group ended up being more interesting for me um, of a project, although the PPE group did really great things. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a group. We're trying to build uh, a fully featured ventilator um, that uh, is affordable for uh, people in developing countries. Um, we're hoping to sell it for, or to have ma- our, our partners who are manufacturers um, sell it for like around two thousand twenty five hundred dollars, whereas uh, other ventilators that have this these features are like five thousand, ten thousand um, dollars. So just to make it more affor- affordable, but also to uh, kind of move around the supply chain that most ventilators in the U.S. and in other countries require, so that we're not dependent on those medical device supply chains. So we like go to like refrigeration companies and automobile companies for a lot of the the parts um that are required for for the ventilator um but the big thing because it's it takes a long time it's like it you know it's several months into the pandemic and we're you know we're not there like regulatory wise um but the big thing about it that i love is that it's all volunteer and so everybody is like really passionate about it and also like the most fucking competent team of scientists and engineers and people i've ever worked with and then also we're all like we're doing this open source so that we can fuck up the medical device industry and like find a pathway through regulatory to make these um, medical devices like more affordable overall. So it's like, we're trying to like forge a new path um, uh, that's that lasts beyond this pandemic and lasts beyond this project and product. Um, And that's, what's exciting me. I'm like, Oh man, if we can like figure out a way to make this work and then, and then have this like, roadmap for people or this guide for people to just like build shit in their rooms and then like allow anyone to manufacture it um then that'll like reduce the cost of medical devices worldwide hopefully that would be absolutely amazing and you're looking for volunteers right so if anybody's available if any sort of specialty involved in this uh respira works absolutely reach out they can use some help Uh, i remember uh palavi mentioning this like as soon as the pandemic started you guys were on top of it and working it was fantastic Uh, and it seems like it's just grown bigger and better since then yeah it's super fun quick quick show note um we should not have guests who are this much better people than we are. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I'll tell you about the people I'm planning on murdering, and then we'll Perfect. be even. <laughs> okay, but before that, you've actually got another charity project, right? It's well, it's just uh, yeah. Well, it's not like char- I don't know if I'd call it charity. It's just a thing that I'm doing, but it is also volunteer based. I send out a mailing list like now it's once a week um, and I call it supporting black lives. And it's just with like news and petitions and donations and like black businesses and social media accounts and activists to follow. And like um, and then I have a, a Google Drive that like keeps track of all that stuff and it helps with like figuring out what protests to go to and, and stuff like that. Um, and then in addition to that, recently. Because of uh, friends like Andrew who like retweeted me, 
Um, I, <laughs> I just was like, hey, uh, I'll give free tutoring hours because that's what I do to make money now um, to uh, any black students who are struggling with like science and math and anything else I can tutor in. And then all these <laughs> fucking Twitter <laughs> accounts retweeted me and then it went like mini viral. And then I had a bunch of like people messaging me not only to uh, get lessons, but also to be tutors. So now I think I'm in the process of matching. We matched like I think at this point I matched like 15 and I have like 15 more students to go. So like we're going to have around like 30 students right now that are getting matched for free tutoring. Um, and I could also use volunteers for that. It's like elementary, middle school, high school. It's pretty, pretty um, OK stuff. Um, if anybody, it's all on. That is too. absolutely That's absolutely incredible. If you do have guys, if you're listening, if you do have some expertise, please reach out. Uh, we're definitely going to have uh, the handle and uh, in the yes. show notes so that you can reach out and let, let's let's change some lives. That's awesome. That's amazing. Also, also for the respiro work stuff, you don't have to be an engineer or scientist. Like we have fundraising people, we have social media people, we have like people helping with organizations. So any anything helps. That is fantastic. So Pallavi doing a ton of good, and us just uh, you know kind of pretending we're a part of it. Uh, <laughs> I am so glad to almost be yeah, able to yeah, help. No, no. We, <laughs> remember how many lives we changed with our Batman and Robin <laughs> was bad episode? That was. <laughs> it was. It was a- maybe maybe that would help a general of young white men <laughs> maybe they're like oh i'm not owed sex maybe that's <laughs> the benefit of that episode well so yeah so you're you're in comedy full-time but but have uh gone back to this just enough to make your parents uh proud slash anxious uh but are, are helping the world that is fantastic yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming Did on. Did I, I think I, um, I think I told you that we got like a letter from Elizabeth Warren and I sent it to my mom and her response was okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's only because parents don't know, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, my, well, my parents are just bad at texting, like regardless. They don't understand yeah. that like nine exclamation Etiquette. points is like the bare minimum you need to like say that you're happy <laughs> about something. So like. There are so many times where, like, I'll get a text from my mom and it just sounds like she's ghosting. <laughs> That's great. My mom does a thing where she, like, she'll post pictures of, like, the backyard and it's, like, way too many pictures. And she'll be like, this is our yard in winter. And <laughs> like, or, like, she'll, or she'll post, like, her food, which she's a really great cook. And she'll be like... I made uh, I made Idlis again. Enjoy, and it's like, Mom, I physically can't enjoy them. <laughs> this is on Facebook. That's not how Facebook works. Yeah. Well, so uh, because we have uh, Pallavi as our fantastic guest, we asked her to pick a topic as, we, as she always do. And again, she picked this great uh, science history topic, and we're going to start with the good, as we always do. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, science history topic, and we're going to start with the good, as we always do, which is uh, the peer review process for scientific journals, which is a system we, we really do believe in. It's, it's not flawless, but it's been effective. Uh, can you walk us through that a little bit? 
Yeah. Um, basically, uh, scientists um, will have a hypothesis, an experiment that they want to do to test that hypothesis, and they do so, and they keep track of all the, the met methodology and the materials used and the data, and then they form conclusions based on this, and they write up um, an article that's then published in a scientific journal, and depending on the reputation of the scientific journal, um, other scientists build on uh, this uh, body of knowledge. That's what we always like talk about in science is a, a body of knowledge in a particular topic. And uh, the way that that's done is through peer review, meaning that uh, individuals in the field who are uh, experts in that particular uh, area would review the article before it's published and then provide edits that need to be done. And those edits can be include um, oh, you know, your experiment isn't rigorous enough or you need to expand to multiple experiments or this conclusion is uh, too far off from your data to draw um, or you, even you just need to add more information in like the introduction or the background or whatever. There are all these different levels of journals um, and then these journals are graded based on how many citations they receive, meaning how many times they're used in other articles, etc. And that kind of increases the reputation of these journals. So when you publish... You try to aim for journals with a higher impact factor, an IF factor, and, and as a result, you'll get like more rigorous review. So it's like the honor code. It's like us checking each other and making sure that what we're publishing is like scientifically accurate and true to the scientific method. This was a, a great explanation, and pretty much everyone involved in this recognizes the importance of the field. This is an opportunity to advance everyone's work. This is not, hey, I did this interesting thing and this is the end of the story. <laughs> you know, this research is done because it's going to be built off of, uh, which means that everyone that's involved in this peer review is is getting inside information, able to share their own information. Uh, as you discussed, the multiple peer review process, it's, there are, of course, basically pay-to-play journals, uh, ones that, that you get in, yeah. but those are understood by the community to not be relevant. Um, Sometimes um, there are issues with like, um, well, there's there's issues with accessibility. And so like there's there's pay to play, which uh, a lot of people disagree with. There's also um, journals that um, have high impact factors based on like influence citations and stuff. But for the like for the most part, though, um, this is like the only method that we have for holding each other accountable. Right. Like it's the only way to make sure because like the only you can't have laymen read. Uh, and by laymen, I mean all you losers who don't know science. <laughs> That'll be the musical theater major. The musical right here. theater major. <laughs> we can't like pe regular people can't read the it's so hard to read these papers and understand like the process of them. Um, so it is like the best method that we have so far. And especially because science as a whole, obviously each field varies, but generally it is the most rigorous in terms of requirements to have something be considered publishable uh, from uh, recording of, of data to the overall process. I mean, we all remember our lab reports. Yes, yes. We all remember our lab reports that we all did. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> So, yes, I, I was pre-med uh, before this. I did not get as, as far as Pallavi before. Did you, when you were pre-med, what was your other major? Like, because you so, can't just be pre-med. No, I was a bio major. Uh, Classic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was I was looking between bio and psych. But uh, no, so what happened with me was, and Wen already knows this, but I spent most of my life uh, disabled um, between- what. Yeah, it's going to be... I don't know you at all, and I thought I knew you better than when. So... I barely know you, Andrew. What the fuck? Yeah, no, I've I, I spent most of my life between housebound and bedridden. Um, and if this is too much, just guys laugh at the end of this so the audience knows it's cool. Um, no. Oh, I'm yeah. laughing already. This is, this is hilarious. So, listen, I'm not trying to treat you like a victim, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you will earn your laugh. No, uh, about uh, six years ago, I started getting better, Uh and, uh, Can I ask what it was? Yeah, or uh, that... myalgic encephalomyelitis, ME, to make it easy. That's why you're so funny. Jesus Christ. That Christ. is exactly how this happened. <laughs> so yeah, I, I started getting uh, a bit better and you have to, you know, about a year of building up strength. First, you have to learn to be able to, you know, walk past your kitchen. And then uh, about a year and a half later, I started taking classes just a couple at a time, one, then two. And uh, then I relapsed, uh, not to where I was, uh, but where I am now, where, you know, going out once a week or so. And, but yeah, that was, I mean, I had already, when I started going to school, um, I also got well enough to write because I couldn't write most of the years. All of this just lived in my head. Uh, 
so um, I'd been writing a little bit and then I relapsed and obviously that was a big hit. And I thought, well, I don't want to be sad. I guess I got to be funny. Uh, <laughs> and that was basically <laughs> yeah. it. So I, I uh, had been writing. I started been writing more and more to occupy my time. Then, you know, basically, all right, you can go out once a month. Better make sure you're getting stage time when you do it. Uh, wow. Yeah. So that that was my transition from, <laughs> from pre-med so you, to comedy. Like all other stand-up comedians, uh, chose stage time instead of sex when you had the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I appreciate you assuming sex would have been an option otherwise. <laughs> Listen, buddy, I don't know. I'm not here to judge. <laughs> I'm looking at my own sex life worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, when did I talk with you? We, we should try and, and talk about our, our own uh, personalized work and let you guys get to know us a bit. So yeah, that is my backstory of how I went um, from uh, a supposed bomb-ass origin story. Thank you. I, I mean, not great for you, but great for me to hear. Very yeah. inspiring. Look, I'm taking this without any of the difficulty of having lived that experience <laughs> and just riding with it, you know? It's, it, look, <laughs> yeah. As a narrative, it's great. It. It's great. So sorry it happened to you. But as a book, as a book, this is yeah, where is the book, Andrew? We're waiting. <laughs> I know now. Before it could be like, you know what? I'm sick. I can't write. Now it's my job to write. How am I not profiting yeah. off of this? But uh, yeah, so there you go, audience. Too. That's a bit of my backstory. And next time we're going to cover uh, when I don't know what his trauma is, but we're going to find out for you guys. Uh, <laughs> I can see it in his I didn't eyes get the already. Lead in the <laughs> <laughs> so, it's got to be deeper than his father. Yeah. We know that for sure. <laughs> My dad, who I have a great relationship with, Why and yet you, I cannot you stop can't crying. See it. I was going to say, you can't see it, but he's crying right now. A single tear is rolling down his face. <laughs> All right, so this is, this is our origin stories, as well as the positive in the peer review process. But the show, of course, is here's where it went wrong, which means we have to discuss where it went wrong. And there have been a couple big issues, but the one we decided on was the Yoshiki Sasai scandal, which uh, this happened... In 2014, Sasai worked with uh, Obakata at the Riken Center, uh, and Obakata was his junior, about 30 years. He was uh, a senior at the facility, or at least her senior, a bit of a mentor to her. They were working on stimulus-triggered acquisition of pluripotency, or STAP, which is complicated science, but basically they're exposing normal cells to a stress. Uh, in this case, it was basically a form of citrus acid, which would give rise to pluripotent stem cells. So turning regular cells into stem cells and stem cells can, of course, turn into any cell or basically any cell. We talking pulp or no pulp on that? <laughs> <laughs> that, that this was actually where the, the uh, big scandal was. They use pulp. Everyone rejected it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just trying to, I was trying to like make sense of this because I personally <laughs> am dumb. Uh, so I was like reading all these articles and like, I, like I, it wasn't making any sense to me. And I was like, and like, they're like, oh yeah, you put the cell in a stressor and that makes it stem cells and stem cells can be anything. And I was like, great. So it's like bullying someone was, to become <laughs> what you yes! want them to be. It's like Andrew's origin story. This is how we all became comedians. extreme stress and now he's famous. <laughs> So yes, apparently you create stem cells the exact same way you create comedians. Uh, is is the moral of this story? But not fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so here's what happened. Obakata is the lead author. Sasai is a co-author. Sasai, by the way, is successful enough that his name on a paper carries weight. Uh, if he's working at the facility, if he's consulted a bit on the paper, uh, she wants to get his name on it. And then it turns out Sasai uh, or, or Obakata had faked her data. This was made up. Nobody has been able to recreate these results. This was 2014. It is still nobody has been able to recreate the results. Uh, there were some specious photos that uh, one turned out to be specious. from a completely different uh, experiment that uh, the other one that appeared to be have some information posted from a different photo. They eventually conclude that Obakata faked this data and Sasai takes the heat. I remember when this happened in 2014 because me and my uh, peers, I was in, I think at, at that point I was in my master's program and we were talking about this happening and I looked at the figures and I was like, because it was in Nature. Right. And Nature has a huge impact factor. It's one of like huge. the best journals. And we were looking at the figures and we were like, this one just seems upside down. Like, it just, yes. <laughs> it just like, I don't think that's actually right. But it was like, it was one of those things where we were like, how the fuck did this get through? Like, it didn't make any sense. 
Um, but then, uh, like, Andrew and I were looking at the list because we were, like, confused about which case this was. And we were looking at the list of all of the the retractions and stuff. And it's, like, way too long. <laughs> it is. And, and it, it's so long. And part of the issue, I think, was that Sasai said, look, I worked on this paper. He, he's, he's trying to be upfront about this. He said, I there are things here that seem like they could only have happened if STAP worked. Um, Obakata says, oh, I don't know what happened. You guys are wrong, probably. Uh, that, that was basically it. She said, maybe I used the wrong photo. And it's like, well, cool. You changed the caption on the photo. You were looking right at it. Yeah, there were ones that were like, this is this cell and it was entirely a different cell. Exactly. And it's hard. I don't know. It's hard because like there there definitely are some things in peer review where uh, you can't like you're not in the room with the scientist. You can only you have to assume that they did the things they said they were going to do. So like the rigor that you're checking for in the paper is just like the evidence that is there. And like, doesn't make logical sense progressing. But but those pic- pictures were crazy. And well, and <laughs> they were that's, wild. You know, that's exactly what happened. And in fact, why Sasai took so much of the blame? Obakata was actually uh, cited for this. You know, they they claim that she falsified data. Sasai, he was not cited in any way. They or censured in any way. They, there wasn't a punishment per se, except for the fact that they said it was your job to do better. It was your job to oversee these results and confirm they were correct. And yeah. you didn't do this. And he took heat in the media for months to the point where he did actually commit suicide, which is a huge <laughs> dramatic leap from uh, what this podcast normally is. And uh, Pallavi told me this topic and I started looking into it and I thought this is... Um, September. This is Suicide Prevention Month. And we have a platform. I, we want this to be funny. We want to entertain you guys. But also, if people are listening, it's. I think it's important to talk about. And I also think it's okay to be funny and then be serious and then be funny again, because this is one that makes people deeply uncomfortable to talk about. And I think doing a scenario like this makes it a bit easier. Communication is the only way to help. If, if you are in need, suicidepreventionlifeline.org is a wonderful service. They offer 24-7 assistance to people in need. Uh, I realize this is a big topic for a lot of people, so we're going to get to uh, how this was screwed up and why some of this was entertaining, but this part was not. This part was very serious, and Sasai took the heat so much so that he he couldn't get past it. I um I also want to say, like, I think that we talk about um, comedians being, like, depressed and having mental health issues and stuff a lot, but I went to a, a college where this was a huge issue and we did have a number of suicides. And it, I think um, because people think that scientists and engineers have their shit together and that they're so, um, I guess, like, I, I don't know, like, on top of things and organized and don't uh, outwardly show that they have these issues, it's really, like, easy to not look for it or to assume that they're doing fine. Um, but I, I mean, scientists and engineers and people who are, are that type of type A person are ones that uh, can be most effective at doing it and, and getting away with, you know, like not asking for help and stuff. So that's like that's also a topic that's close to my heart. Um, Absolutely, because there, it's also a field with people that are highly motivated and put the most pressure on themselves. Uh, and it's an overwhelming industry. In fact, in a lot of my, my notes about this, one of the things to discuss was that just one of the most common phrases is publish or perish, that you have to, yeah. it's, it's understood that you just have to make this happen, which is is why this does happen occasionally, because you've got to get your stuff out there. And uh, for a lot of people, this pressure is too much. For society, it was. For Obakata, who was who was really the one that was behind most of this, uh, she's she's managed to do fairly well for for herself after this. That that is the most serious part of of this podcast. But we're going to get get on to the rest of this just absolutely absurd situation because uh, Obakata is basically out of science at this point, and which I see as a reward. <laughs> she went into stand up comedy. Uh, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is a, a punishment for us. <laughs> but no, Obakata becomes an author telling her side of the story. And by the way, when this, when the STAP method is developed, everyone else, aside included, is saying Obakata did it. They're giving her the credit or they're saying we. There were two other co-authors. But Obakata is saying, I discovered this. And then when this happened uh, and she writes her book, she blames uh, someone else for not overseeing the data well enough and for messing up her photos. And this becomes a number one bestseller in Japan, which makes if, me so angry. <laughs> what if um, what if the book was just uh, one stolen speech from Michelle Obama? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, wait a minute, how did this pass us? <laughs> and by the way, Obakata was allowed to, when this, there is a rigorous process to prove this, uh, that, that Riken is, is overseeing. Obakata was allowed to join Riken's efforts to try and prove her results. She has never able to do it uh, and has eventually resigned from Riken. She was just there never is... able to correctly 
bully cells into becoming stem cells <laughs> since she I'm called just... them pussies for hours <laughs> why are you an ear yet i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> by the way one of the co-authors of this paper was the guy that put the ear on the mouse at harvard oh yes i'm not he that does dumb, understand. <laughs> bring, bring full circle can can the intro to your podcast just be when yelling, guess I'm not that dumb? <laughs> just every time. It's a running theme. Look, sometimes we do sports episodes and like then I'm like, when then I'm the, the, <laughs> the genius in the room. But uh, when we're not talking about actual intellect, uh, yeah, I take the back seat. I, I surrender the platform <laughs> a little bit. That we have a variety of skills, and I think one of Wens is underplaying how smart he is, so he can he can play the idiot to this trio. But, <laughs> so yeah, this is an absolutely insane story. As as Polly said, this is big enough that even if you are not working uh, in, in stem cell research, you heard about this. If you're in the science, you heard about this. What um what is wild to me is that there's there's someone I know that's like Obakata. Like there is someone I know in, who is still in science. And like, I, I'm, I think they're like, I've heard, so that was a personal experience with me. And then I have a friend who had another personal experience with someone else. There are these people who like, I don't know why they're in science, but they're only there for the prestige yeah. and they're very rare. They're very rare people, uh, but they don't care about their, it, I don't want to like, I don't know if it's like, uh, discriminatory to say like sociopath but like it's I, I guess I don't know you can cut that out but it's like they're they're people who like don't care about getting like they don't have empathy and they are just they, they have the goal of publishing and they don't care about the research itself and most of the field cares so much about the research to the point where they're like peer reviewing for free right they're like yeah. they just put in like a lot of work to make sure that science is rigorous and like graduate students don't get paid much. We're not like allowed to because of, because of fe- federal law or whatever. But um, boo, boo, <laughs> um, or like the NIH standards. Or I don't know what it is. But uh, but uh, yeah. So it's like m- most people are like putting in so many hours to make sure that their research is well done and like and you know rigorous and that they're considering everything and it's honor code based in terms of like them holding themselves accountable in the process of it and then there are like these individuals yeah. who you're like why are you go be a fucking actor if you're gonna be this cutthroat <laughs> about it like why 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 are you here there were people in my graduate school program who cheated in the easiest classes and i was like your parents aren't don't give a shit about your grades anymore like you're not this is for <laughs> science what are you right. doing i mean at a certain point like it's gotta be like kind of like a god complex because like they can't recreate it she like you have to know that they're not going to be able to recreate your thing you did not actually change the world what you want is for everyone to think of you as someone who changed the world you want the fame of that publish exactly absolutely and in fact when this came out people are when the immediate response before it it broke that it was a lie which by the way people started commenting uh on this looking wrong a week after it was published but um, before that really broke, people were saying, this is going to change textbooks. This is going to change what we know about science. Yeah. And speaking yeah. to what uh, Pavi said, uh, 87% of scientific papers are published by 1% of scientists, either authored or co-authored. This are, you is... gonna, are you about to Bernie us? You're like, it's the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> Publishing but, 87%. <laughs> but some of these are because they're doing fantastic research some of them they're they're on it they're in, so involved in their lab they can put their name on a lot of papers which yeah is a vanity thing but also they put the work in but for a lot of these people it's like look they this is how they're going to get paid uh and in fact a lot of universities police themselves which has been shown not to work in cases uh, of fraud uh, well, or, police in any situation don't work so i know that's that's, <laughs> that's really it. is not a thing <laughs> but yeah, in, in cases of scientific fraud, most of the universities, it hurts reputation. They don't want it to happen. The, the U.S. has the ORI, the Office of Research Integrity, which oversees these. But in a 2017 study found that uh, of the 284 academics who were found by ORI to have committed research misconduct, which, by the way, they don't hand out regularly. Most of the time they label it uh, questionable research practices, which means nothing happens. You did something wrong. Don't worry about it. Of these uh, 284 found to have committed research misconduct, nearly half continued to receive federal funding 
for more than $123 million. This, there's not a, if, if all you care about is the fame and money, lying works. The problem is, is that everyone else in science takes it so seriously because that's, that's why you got into this is to make a difference. And they're not dumb. Like, right. <laughs> scientists are not. The nature thing was like, it was a huge standout because it was such an, ex- it felt like such an exceptional case, you know, like right. for that, for that. Because how did through. it slip through the cracks was, was the big issue. It's yeah. normally this system really does work well when it doesn't, it's, it's not a journal as big as nature. You know, it, it's, they published something. Nobody really heard about it. It was enough that they could request a grant, but for, for something to get by nature was a big deal. Yeah. Because that isn't in the, like one of the open access ones that you like pay for to distribute your, your work there. It's not um, one of those like preprint ones where they do it before the review and then like, at, you know, like print it after the review. It, it like nature is like both good and bad, a gatekeeper. Um, yeah. I, I personally like think everything should be open access and everybody yes, absolutely. should like, it's, it you know, but it does, but like all of these are so profit driven, all of these journals that it, it's hard to like the incentive for publishing good, good work in an open access format is like, it's, it's like everything right now it's fucked up. But I think like generally peer review is, it's really good for communication. It's really good for rigor. And then you have these cases where people just want, uh, like, I, I don't think people understand the prestige within science. Like there's, there's hierarchies. I oh, remember yeah. in college, in college, it was like mathematicians are the, considered the smartest, which is not a true thing. They just like had the least applicable skills. So people <laughs> were like, they're always thinking, they're always thinking things. And then it's like, theoretical physicists and then applied physicists and then like biologists were like bottom of the barrel because they actually help people you know (laughs) (laughs) and there's like prestige associated with it so it's like the more you publish in a certain field or a certain uh journal or you know like whatever the more prestige the more like respect you get like it's kind of the thing of like oh like i slept the least last night so like (laughs) i'm doing the best i'm like the coolest person it's like it's that thing of like i've been grinding the hardest and that and because of that people go for like these big gets rather than publishing like more cumulative stuff like negative results and like other things they go for these like big projects and big headline making um you know event or experiments right yeah and, yeah and, and i i do appreciate you putting it in terms of just like if you get it in nature, the big name, it's like sleeping <laughs> with a celebrity. Whereas if you're doing it in one of those magazines you got to pay for, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but this is this is not at all a scientific example, but it's just a story that I, I happen to love. Um, we all remember Spartacus, not personally, but, you know, the, the well, deal. Speak for yourself, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Spartacus. Thank you very much. Spartacus, this escaped gladiator, supposed to just be like this gladiator. This is one guy. He got off on his own. He's And he starts amassing slaves to join this cause. And this would have been fine. They would have been able to quell it pretty easily, except generals got to choose their own causes. They got to decide what campaigns they wanted to go on. And there was absolutely no glory in capturing slaves. They let this go until he's amassed a 25,000 person army. We're just going to cut this story. This has absolutely no relevance. No, keep going. Keep going. No, we're keeping it in. Come on. Come on. keeping it in. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We're doing it live. So look, the, the goal is here. There, there's things that can make a difference that you can get in them early. That there's, but yeah, get you, slaves. Andrew is suggesting is everyone amass the slaves. That is the title spots. of this episode. It is. That everyone should be good, amassing slavery look, even better. better. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is all right. I, I need to craft my messages far better than this in the future. Next episode, we're discussing Spartacus and where it went wrong. Which is Nick talking about? No, we're it. discussing your Spartacus story. And yeah, that's it. Wrong. That's where it hits. Oh my god, you guys have to do a review of an episode for what for like an anniversary episode. That would actually be incredible. Where it went wrong. Remember right, when the, we were a movie podcast? Oh my god! Yeah, those, those first two episodes. I always bring in like the worst topic, like the most controversial or like upsetting topics to, to well, different <laughs> podcasts. They're like, we're going to talk about our favorite animals. And I'm like, what about police brutality dogs? (laughs) I literally did that on an episode of a podcast. Oh, my God. All right. right, So the message here 
was that this ability for those uh, that are already successful to choose their own cases here has made it, it's just, it builds upon itself that there's a lot of stuff that needs tending that does not get tended to. Uh, and ultimately, everyone is fighting for these few spots instead of taking care of the stuff that needs to be taken care of. And um, people who have influence in certain fields will like de- like if they're reviewers, they'll demand that their papers be cited by the authors of another paper or they'll demand a certain technique that they use. That's also like a preference or maybe not as objective. Um, it's still a tech, it's still a scientific method, but it's one that they want to push or like a material or whatever. And so they'll like a lot of the reviews could be like preferential edits. Like it's things that don't necessarily need to be included, but it's because that reviewer does it in their lab. So they think it's like the best way to do it or like projects that are latched onto because they've invested too much time and energy in that like area or whatever. Absolutely. So it's like ego. A lot of, a lot of it can be ego. Well, yeah, I feel like so much of this is like you want to put out things that are positive. So like everyone is kind of going to try to bend towards let's make this work. Especially yeah. with especially with like big projects. It's like, like any this. relationship. It's like <laughs> yeah, let's exactly. not give up. Let's hold on until it falls apart publicly. Yeah. This picture is not what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> well and in, in fact the questionable research practices this label gets slapped on uh, slapped on when they, they don't uh, want to call it actual fraud. One of the biggest ones is publication bias, where journals are favoring publishing positive results. Uh, which I get it, you want to read about the big success story, but it's not necessarily the it's most like relevant. A- Christmas newsletter, you know, sometimes yeah. you got to talk about the divorce. You got to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, like nobody wants to be the magazine that's just like, no, we're not going to cure this disease. It's actually impossible. Everyone wants like, no, we've put uh, ears on rats now. Like we're changing the world. <laughs> why, does, why does everyone want rats to hear better so bad? <laughs> like, do they want us to just make sure that they don't steal our pizza? Like, give it back. <laughs> but, but actually, to, to show the depth of this, there was that researcher in, uh, was it 2015 or 2017, where using these techniques, um, he largely used a p-hacking, which is where basically you're playing with the data until they reach significance thresholds to allow it to be published. So it's, again questionable yeah, data analysis data analysis is a big one it is it's, it's huge in 2015 john bohannon proved how this could be done by setting a study that led to results that showed chocolate could lead to weight loss and is that it, where all the articles got it from it is actually it was, all those fucking articles it was played in on a major news networks it was played everywhere chocolate can lead to weight loss and he then released a thing saying cool none of this is true this was to prove the flaw in the system but it's still being reported but on people like still report on it this is another thing that really bothers me is because we have some i think now it's getting a little bit better with the political situation but we have a lot of scientists who are so deep into their research and then they publish and then there's no one who can accurately and and in a way that they understand what's being said report on it so there's this giant like gap in communication not only it's two things it's it's that um reporters have no idea what the fuck they're talking about so yep. they just write headlines that, that like completely misinterpret things this is how i feel about political polls as well and then (laughs) (laughs) and then also it's um the fact that science is really fucking bad at branding because we just care about accuracy and the truth and so we're not if if we call something a theory then every (laughs) then everybody's gonna be like it's a theory and it's like yeah their theories have been established for like like years and years that you take as laws but we call it theories because by the definition of a theory that's what a theory matters here yes terminology matters representation where are we going okay Um, (laughs) i'm sorry sometimes i just yell chance um (laughs) but like but that's a thing that we have that's a huge problem is that we have this giant gap in scientific communication where we as scientists don't want to alter any of uh how we communicate uh but in the end of it the end result is that the solutions that people are trying to find aren't getting to them or aren't getting to them in a productive way so there's like a stop gap there where it's like yeah we can be as accurate as we want in labs but it doesn't mean shit if we can't get policy implemented to where people like actually use it right it's this, this is a huge problem in in um in industry and stuff where they just create products that sit on shelves for years. Um, but they're like, they have it, they have that patent or whatever. So it's like, it's not benefiting anybody. Right. But they have it in case they need it. Right. But it, so I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a hard thing to explain to people. And I think it's, um, 
the crux of like the mistrust in the system other than like you know uh, the system being like racist and shit but like (laughs) (laughs) but it's like a huge part of it the mistrust is just the ability to be like hey like when we say this we really mean this it's a branding issue you know no and i mean this is why they need to start hiring people like us who just do the branding but well not you you do the science and the branding part people like me and when (laughs) i don't know that spartacus story went off the rails real fast I, by the way, when knows the more he mentioned this, the harder it's going to be for me to cut later yeah, on. Yeah, that, that's ex- yeah. specifically why I brought it back up. Are you talking about the Spartacus story? Is the that what you're talking story? about? The Spartacus, oh, the, the story? Spartacus right, story? God damn it. Yeah, Spartacus yeah. is standing. Cool, cool, cool. This sucks. All right. <laughs> but even, but even, this is another thing. Even science communicators, like, we still have issues with them, right? Like, sure. even things like that be, because of, like, how closely people want to stick to accuracy. So even things that, like, uh, bless his soul, Bill Nye has said, you know, some people, like, disagree with, like, how he said a certain thing yep. or whatever. Um, but it's, like, I don't know. It, it's, uh, there's got to be, like, a compromise between it. They have to, there's, you have to tell people, like, more, now more than ever, you have to inform people and you have to make it, like, palatable and you have to make it easily consumable. So it's, like, some things, you know, as you're teaching, like, young kids, you know, you can't teach them all the details, um, some things have to be like not included or whatever initially as people are like getting used to a topic. And I, I think a, a big part of this uh, issue too is just how hard it is to explain some of this stuff uh, to people that don't have eight years of, of schooling and then then training beyond it, which is why, you know, Richard Feynman famously would not explain anything that he could not explain to someone who didn't have a background in it. Not even his affairs. Um. <laughs> there is no one safe from Pilate in this episode. I went to Caltech. I know all the drama. It's Honey, I would love but. to tell you what's going on here, but you do not have a background in sleeping around, and therefore I cannot explain myself. <laughs> Look, science uh. just needs, uh, like, a guy like me around so that they're like stimulus triggered acquisition of pluripotency. And then people are like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's bullying cells to make them good. <laughs> That's why I started a science web series that I have not added to since coronavirus. Cause I do not want to do that episode, but I <laughs> had yeah. one and it was aimed at adults because I'm like the kids, like they're actually like way more informed than adults are because adults have forgotten everything except the great uh, viral tweet about the powerhouse of the cell. Like every, <laughs> right. Everybody knows the yes. term. There, there we you go, go. Buddy. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, but everybody knows like these like random terms, but they've forgotten like the scientific method. So that's why I think it's like important to aim stuff. Everything is aimed at kids, and yes, it is like consumable by adults, but they're not like t- they're like you know don't always take everything in that's like marketed towards kids but i think it's really important because adults vote (laughs) (laughs) adults are the ones not vaccinating their children like adults are so important and and for me i feel very lucky that i'm able to like read scientific articles and understand them because i never fucking read just the headlines that reporters have because i'm like this is all bullshit give me the data and and that takes so long to like understand how to read articles in your field, let alone somewhere else, you know? Absolutely. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is a complex issue, especially if you don't know what it is to begin with and realizing that the depth of scientific fields, it's, you know, oh, you're a scientist. You must know about all of science is not a thing. You know, you've got your Dude, areas. Watson, molecular biologist, uh, still within biology, did not understand neuroscience enough to know that black people don't have different brains than other people. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking racist piece of shit. Okay, we're going to get this out of the way right now. Here's where it went wrong. The podcast is against phrenology. <laughs> we are anti-phrenology. <laughs> I changed my mind. I want that to be the intro music. That is- <laughs> <laughs> All right, I-, I just love Wen's voice. <laughs> and Wen, as always, has summed up the issue so perfectly that I think that covers it for today. What we love about this is the peer review process, is science as a whole. Uh, what we hate is the abuse of the system when it falls through the, the cracks. The Yoshiki Sasai scandal was obviously the base of all of this. Uh, but in general, it seems like a lot of the issue is just lack of education. And uh, we would love for everyone to do better at that, which uh, hopefully this podcast helped with. But uh, despite that, we have reached our next segment, which uh, Pallavi has volunteered to do at this time. In their defense, where she has to defend everything we have just trashed for the last hour. 
Pallavi, what I do totally, you think? I forgot about this part. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, fucking science is hard, and we don't always know what we're doing. Like, we're just trying, and there's, like, a lot of pressure, guys. And, like, I just need to tell my Asian parents that I did well in school, okay? Because even though I'm an adult, they're still looking at my accomplishments, and how am I supposed to, as a woman, get married if I'm not published? And then they have to... <laughs> change my name and then have it be published under a different name. This is me speaking in Obacata twice. <laughs> no, but in uh, in her defense, um, not a lot, but let's say there was more um, mentorship and people paying attention and questioning her and not taking her seriously. Maybe this would have been stopped. that i think the the big takeaway here is that listen guys science is fucking hard is got to be (laughs) now our promo for this episode my brain hurts i'm like i've done science for so long and it's the thing i'm most insecure about because like whenever i talk to because there's a there's ways that like good scientists speak and like even just about regular subjects and you're like oh like you show a, like a, an inquisitiveness and a depth of knowledge that indicates that you've had practice with the scientific method and questioning things in a certain specific and rational and uh logical step kind of way and i'm always like is my ass showing around these guys <laughs> like, am i saying the right am i asking the right question do that and whenever anybody we're all we're also trying to because of this communication issue we're also trying to like over explain things and like take it step by step for people so good scientists are also very good at simplifying things down but i always take that as an insult so that's not good <laughs> what do you think i'm dumb <laughs> you think i'm a fucking Explain i did it this. like i got a phd <laughs> yeah i don't have one and i still don't understand what you're saying but i wish you thought i was smarter than this. <laughs> you got a master's that's that's a phd to people who are me that's technically (laughs) technically i have two masters because i had a master's before and then i got a redundant master's because i quit my phd and that's what they give you when they feel bad for you (laughs) (laughs) which other people who earned their masters do not like to hear yeah people don't like to hear about the participation masters (laughs) the participation trophy They did give it to me with a bunch of sliced oranges. That's weird. <laughs> oh, Bill, thank you so much for being on, <laughs> Pallavi, for, for walking us through this, for explaining this process to us and hopefully educating our audience who may or may not have, have known anything about this. I thought this was a fascinating case. Uh, and this is our gonna... host too, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, as always, I love the research. This was a, was a lot to learn about. Listen, I have so much more to say about Feynman, but we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next episode is just fucking Feynman. Where where did his dick go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Not going to talk about physics at all. <laughs> also. Another thing in the scientific community is just how much these top guys got laid. Like Dude, there is Stephen a rock star. Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking <laughs> getting as late as he did oh was my probably God. my favorite part of the theory of everything. He, <laughs> he no, but he he went to Cal. Like I have picture, I have a picture with him. He would come to Caltech and he would give speeches to Caltech students because he was there like four months out of the year, and so we like went to dinner with him and stuff. But he had he he was fucking pulled, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Hawking didn't like he fucking pulled man he he had groupies and shit it was I was like damn that's that's another reason why people want to publish maybe that's she just it. wanted to get laid dude. Like, <laughs> it's like stand-up comedians we got to perform the scientists we got to get published it's a whole <laughs> that's it that's, so yeah. many parallels here this is basically the same job that we had before <laughs> everyone's just trying to get laid that's it <laughs> That's all that's all human achievement has been in the history of mankind. <laughs> I want to I want to like take a poll of just asexuals in every every industry and see how successful they are compared <laughs> to like the horniest people. Like who who is people who are unaffected by sexual influence or like uh drive or whatever or people who are the most affected. Like are the horniest people most more successful? <laughs> this is being <laughs> I cannot wait for this one to get published. This is so. If you would like to join my study, please DM me. <laughs> Sign to my DMs and tell me please how horny you me. are. Please don't DM me. Please don't. <laughs> oh, please don't do that. <laughs> All 
<laughs> well, I, I can't imagine there's anything left to say beyond that. That should cover it for the episode on peer review, the Yoshiki Sasai scandal and the absolute abuse of the system. And we have another wonderful episode coming up for you next week. When? What do we have next week? Next week, we have Nicole Thurman. You may know her from The Opposition, uh, Black Lady Sketch Show, the new show Hot Dog on she HBO just wrote for Max. the Emmys? Yeah, she I just love wrote her for on Twitter. She's fantastic She's absolutely so everywhere. And we're going to talk to her about dating and where that went wrong. And there's a lot. Uh, it turns out we dove into the whole history of the personal ad for this one because uh, that was something I could do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, please tune in next week. Uh, if you enjoy this, please give it five stars and subscribe. It helps us out so much. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.